Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome back to the Welcome to Asgard podcast, episode 354, where tonight I'll talk a little bit about the new film Spiderhead, which is available on the Evil Company website, the evil streaming service known as Netflix. Talk a little bit about this film, a new film from Joseph Kaczynski, the same director who currently has a billion-dollar film out called Top Gun Maverick. So same director for that film. Was able to see it. A lot of people were recommending it, so I was finally able to catch that one today. Also, I'm about a little more than halfway through The Atom Project as well. I remember a lot of people had recommended that one earlier in the year. Um, continuing to push my way as well through the DS9 series. I'm in Season 4, about halfway through Season 4 at the moment. Doing very well with that. And uh, today, just had a lot of stuff going on with uh, Morning Stream, of course. But then also, I did the uh, the podcast that I do with John Flickinger for my Army of Asgard members and above on Patreon and Subscribestar. So that'll be out sometime either this evening or tomorrow morning. So be on the lookout for that, both a video version of that podcast and an audio version. We talk about a lot of stuff. And it's if you are sub to both of us and you support both of us, you actually get basically two and a half plus hours worth of content because we we recorded his podcast as we always do first. And it was about an hour and 20 minutes. And then we recorded mine after and mine ended up being around an hour, hour five, or, you know, just about an hour and five minutes. So tons of content there if you want access to it. But before getting any further, though, into that and, of course, Lightyear's box office really proving itself to be a major failure. The Monday numbers are finally out. And let's just say things are still not looking good at all for Disney, for Disney Pixar or for the movie Lightyear, which is not that much of a surprise to me. However, I think that if you were to ask anybody at this point, just even a few years ago, that Disney would release a film connected to the Toy Story universe that would be a box office failure, I think most people would probably laugh in your face or say, that's ridiculous, that will never happen. Even the harshest critics of Disney would probably still say, well, you know what, the normies are still going to show up for it, and so therefore you're, you're, you're ridiculous to say that that could possibly ever happen. And yet, we're seeing it happen in real time, and it's... Uh, it's pretty glorious, to say the very least. But before going any further, though, and starting off with the chat, talking to some of y'all before talking about my thoughts on Spiderhead and other topics, please make sure you smash that like button, lap that fire button on Odyssey. Thank you all so very much for being here. And yes, the purple lights, I saw some, some people notice it. The reason why is because today is the Vigil of the Feast of Saints Peter and Paul. Tomorrow is the actual feast day of Saints Peter and Paul. So tomorrow, the lights will be red as they were martyrs of the faith. Uh, but because it is the Vigil of their feast day, which is a major feast day, um, it is uh, a day of purple, a day of uh, one could say a day of penance in preparation for the celebration of the feast. So if anyone's wondering why that is the case, that is the liturgical color of the day. And that's why I love this little calendar I have right here, because it's got all those little liturgical colors that, uh, I don't know, it makes the room look a little bit nicer, I think, personally. It's better than the bland walls as they used to be seen as. Tina B, Empress of the Universe, hail to you, Tina B. Thank you so very much for being in the chat. Make sure that you subscribe to her. As she mentioned, there is no Soup to Nuts podcast this week, but they will be back with a vengeance next week after the 4th of July holiday weekend. And as she says, if you want my attention, if you want me to read your comments or question, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment at Odin. Let's me know that you're trying to get my attention. 
makes it easier for me to see in the chat. And if you are a member on the YouTube channel, one of the perks of being a member is that you don't have to tag me. You can just say what you want to say, and I'll say, oh, you're a member, and highlight your comment automatically. Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, what's going on, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan? How about a hockey player? Hail to you. Thanks for joining in the chat. We got Keely Chow in the chat. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. Shout out, of course, to Stephanie B, who will be in be in here in a little bit, as Tuesdays are her work days. So shout out to the great and amazing Tina B and Stephanie B. Fear of FEMA. Hail to you. Fear of FEMA. General Wingster. Hail to you. Thank you for being in the chat, Mr. Wingster. <laughs> I don't know why I said Mr. Wingster. That makes it, that brings a whole new context to that name. But he says, I got my pizza handy and ready for the show. Well, hopefully it's pineapple free. Um, I actually just finished the, I also had recently watched, haven't done a review on it yet because yeah, let's just say I've, I've got a lot of problems with it and I'm trying to think of my words carefully for it. Um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and that is the third season of Umbrella Academy. Uh, and let's just say they decide to shift an entire story arc and a main story arc around the transition of one <laughs> Ellen, who has, I believe, now legally changed her name to Elliot. So if that's her legal name now, I will say that her legal name is Elliot Page, but she's still a girl. She's still a woman, biologically. You cannot change that, so I will continue to refer to her as her. But if she's legally changed her name to Elliot, I have no problem calling her Elliot. But let's just say it becomes a major plot point in the actual story itself, and it becomes quite distracting, to say the very least. Um, but I have watched that, unfortunately. Tina B says here, JPIC has been renewed for another three years. It's verified. Can't say I'm that surprised. I actually talked about this with uh, John today with the flick pick today, because it's something that is, honestly, I don't think anything at Disney is ever going to change until and unless stockholders actually start to throw their weight around and actually start to speak up. And the reason why is because you look at some of these top executives, most of them have no reason to continue to have their jobs. If you look at the trajectory of Disney, for instance, and you look at where their films are, where their Disney Plus shows are, it's really hard at this point to argue that they're in a good position as a company. Now, I do think that the argument that you're going to have from these executives, and this is the reason why it's got to be the stockholders, it's got to be the shareholders that say anything, because all that the executives have to tell one another and have to put down on paper is, well, we have about, what, 200 million subscribers or so, I think is the last reported number on Disney+. Plus. If we assume that they pay an average of $5 a month, because remember, even if you get it for free on T-Mobile or Verizon, those companies are still paying Disney the money, or at least a discounted rate, the money. So let's assume it's around $5 on average when you take all of the discounts and stuff like that into account. Even if you take it at $5 a pop, that means that their company is taking in roughly a billion dollars every single month. So on paper, things might actually look okay. They might say, oh yeah, we might lose a hundred plus million on Lightyear, but we're still making a billion every single month over on Disney Plus and the overhead's not all that expensive. Now, of course, you do have to subtract the amount of the budget from the shows that they have on the platform and other metrics like that. 
But that makes sense to me as to why within the company itself, within the hierarchy of the company, they're willing to write off failures. They're willing to write off shows like Miss Marvel um, and the terrible numbers that Miss Marvel is getting. They're willing to write off terrible stories and terrible fan reactions like has been seen with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right? They'll try and spin saying, well, the series finale got this number of viewers according to Samba TV. And did we mention that we're getting a, you know, hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars every single month? Again, they will continue to bring all of these things up. And that's why the only people at this point, since they're all clearly in bed with one another, right, from a financial and company standpoint, they all have each other's backs, even amidst their failures. The only people that could ever hold them accountable would be the stockholders, would be the shareholders, because what the shareholders can do is say, hmm, yeah, the company might be solvent at this point because of the numbers that you're writing down, but let's talk about that share price. Let's talk about how it's gone down in value. Let's talk about how maybe these people with hundreds of millions of dollars invested in the company have lost hundreds of millions of dollars because of the decisions that have been made both in film, television, and in cultural spaces like in the state of Florida, for instance, with certain bills about certain words and phrases that were nowhere in those bills. Talking there, of course, about the Don't Say Gay bill, where that's not even in the words, not even in the bill itself. But clearly getting involved with politics has hurt the image, has hurt the brand of the company. And so guess what? The stock price is going down, is dropping in value. So the only people that I honestly believe at this point could ever bring about any serious or real change at Disney is anyone who's a shareholder, anyone who is a stockholder in the company. Because the, the executives are clearly not going to do anything. Orange Hat Reviews, hail to you, good sir. Says, hail Odin and chat. So movie talk, thoughts on the movie called Phenomenon with John Travolta. I have not seen it, so I cannot give my thoughts. Stark Ball, what's going on? Welcome. Andrew, 46 and 2. Hail to you. Thanks for watching with dinner. A Money Wilson, hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Forever Sci-Fi, hail to you. Thank you for being a member on the channel. You're awesome. Resident Moonhowler, hell to you, hello. Input latency, hello and God bless you as well. Hopefully you got the response. I saw that you had posted in the Catholic Catechesis channel on the Discord and I was able to respond to it. So hopefully you were able to get that and hopefully that made sense. Uh, Hannibal Grimm in the chat, Fossey, Fossey, Fossey. Yes, Hannibal Grimm, yes. Welcome back. Nathan Slade tagged and said, I am happy that Lightyear went to infinity and a crash. As the box office, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You know, still recovering a little bit from the drive because I've been driving a lot. I've been traveling a lot. You know, obviously we had the Orlando trip, which was a lot of fun earlier in the month. And then I had, of course, the long drive to Dallas. Uh, but again, it was an amazing trip, a lot of fun. And then this past weekend, I was with family in St. Louis. So not nearly as bad of a drive distance-wise, but traffic was horrible, and it was all because of really stupid construction. Like, that's the only reason why. Like, the way up made no sense whatsoever because there weren't even, like, people on the road who were blocking off traffic in any capacity. The number of workers was so low, and yet it was just backed up, and it was at a standstill at one point. So we ended up coming two hours later than we were supposed to because of stupid construction on I-24. And then coming back in, we ended up getting caught behind traffic that was caused by, and I wish I was making this up, construction that was changing lanes. 
So we were at a standstill, ended up having to take highways to get to the point of the interstate from the exit where they were literally at the very front of where the construction was. And it was so stupid because all what was holding everybody up was that they had one lane closed off and they were in the process of changing it to another lane during the middle of the day on a Sunday. Again, I don't quite understand the logic there because there is none. Uh, awesome one, hail to you. Thanks for being in the chat. Rachel Black, hail to you. Thank you for being in the chat as well. David Boy, hail to you. Orange Reviews, who is a member, says Odin's purple. He is drinking the Thanos juice. No, how dare you? How dare you? Long Gunman 83, hail to you, says, I saw your DS9 Season 1 review on RTF. Great commentary. Long Gunman, thank you, man. Thank you for watching that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That stream was a blast. We are planning our Season 2 discussion uh, to happen, hopefully, within the next couple of weeks. I'm waiting on, we're waiting on uh, one of the members, uh, Dr. Anthony Stein, a uh, great commentator on, he has his own web, he has his own YouTube channel, Return to Tradition, great traditional Catholic channel, but he is watching and re-watching, I should say, season two, and he's a little more than halfway at this point, so hopefully he'll be finished with that a little, uh, hopefully he'll be finished with that soon, and then we'll have our season two review, so we'll talk about season two in the general sense, and then we also go through our favorite episodes, we go through our top three episodes, and it's fun because uh, for season one, we actually had a lot of overlap with some of our favorite episodes, and yeah, it's a really, really good uh, discussion. So thank you for checking that out. If you've not checked it out, there's a channel called RTF Media, and look up DS9 Season 1, and it should pop up pretty quickly. Tina Bojan, hail to you. We got the R in the chat, hail to you. We got J1 in the chat, hail. General Wingster tagged and said, pepperoni and sausage, no heresy here. Amen. That is how a pizza should be. That is exactly the way that a pizza should be made. Dean Heiss, what's going on? Good sir, thank you for being here. Nathan Slate tagged. And said here, have you ever watched the third Evil Dead film, Army of Darkness? If you haven't, give it a watch. It's a fun time. I love that movie. Uh, That might actually be my favorite in the Evil Dead franchise. Because it is so much fun. I totally agree. Shop smart. Shop S-smart. This is my boomstick. Such a great film. So many great lines. Uh, Input latency tagged and said, need reinforcements in the Nedrotic Discord. They're trying to put pineapple on pizza. No. Now, now, now. That is awful. I I, I wish that I had the power (laughs) to do something about it. But unfortunately, my power is rather limited, as also is my my time and patience. I have very little patience for that kind of heresy. How dare they? Super Anime Gamer. Hey, what is up, my dude? What's going on, Super? Thank you very much for being here. Here in the Steadfast. Hail to you. Thank you for being in the chat. You're awesome. Uh, let's see, Rosie G12, hail to you, Rosie, thanks for being a member on the channel, and welcome back to the chat, always great having you here, Bruce in the chat, hail to you, for those that missed it earlier, uh, for the morning stream, I shout out Bruce for a real life $100 super chat, which is now in my wallet, thank you very much, good sir, but he also (laughs) sent me this bad boy right here, uh, which I plan to use whenever I possibly can. Uh, and it's courtesy of, of course, the, the Hodge twins. They, they have it on their merch store. But I appreciate Bruce uh, for sending that my way. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, Griffin Turbo, what's going on? Thank you for being back in the chat. Soul Assassin, hail to you. Glad it's raining where you are. Jared Thorne, welcome back to the chat. Curzilla, who is a member on the channel, hail to you. 
Thank you for joining us once again. Crisco, what's up, Crisco? Says, have you heard of Marcel the Shell with shoes on? New, anim- new animated movie from A24. Saw it last week, and it's very sweet and wholesome. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for it, and the trailer actually makes me really want to watch it. As you said, it, I'm glad to hear the movie itself is, too, that it just looks very wholesome. It looks very... But it, unfortunately, just did not really get much of a release. In fact, I think I saw someone in the comment section even point out how upset they were because I didn't talk about it, but they understood why, because... It's only out in six theaters. Again, A24. It's been out apparently for four... Is this days or weeks? Okay, it's been out for four days. It's only out in six theaters. I I just... I hate how A24 has been doing their releases. Because it reminds me of their release for everything, everywhere, all at once. When they released it in like 20 screens and then just added a little bit more and a little bit more. And again, I understand that it's maybe like their mindset and their strategy is, oh, let's build up the word of mouth. Let's start off very small, make people want to watch it and then release it. And I understand that to an extent, but it only really works if you have a movie that's really, really good. So everything ever all at once was able to do that. Now, I'm not saying that Marcel the Shell is not good, but... I don't know. I think that maybe an animated film from A24 or at least a a stop motion animation film from A24. I don't know. I don't feel like this necessarily is the the best strategy for them. I was critical of them for the release of everything everywhere all at once because I honestly think that they could have done even more had they had a much wider release. Maybe not a huge release, but 1,500 to 2,000 screens. Um, And then good word of mouth could have continued it. But when you think about it, as, as much as it might help your word of mouth, think about the number of people who are at a cinema or at a screen wanting to see a certain film, but then they don't have the time to go see it when it eventually becomes available or something similar to that, you know? I don't necessarily think it's the best move in the long run. It worked for them when it came to, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, but that does not mean that it's going to work in every single situation. Judge Dredd, what's going on? Thanks for being here. Hans Niemann, what's going on? Thanks for tagging. Says, Spider-Man looks like a rehash of the plot of the New Mutants, of all things, at least according to its listing on Wikipedia. It's not. It actually really isn't. Um, I can understand how, I guess, the the basic location could be seen that way. But I guess, you know, thank you for bringing that up because I'll give my, my, my general thoughts on it. So I did a mini review on Instagram and I posted it on Twitter as well. But Spider-Head... New film posted over on Netflix, Evil Company Incorporation. Going to call that out and point that out right now, especially in the midst of the post-Row era that we now live in in the United States. Evil, Evil Company. Um, now, this film itself is a movie by Joseph Kaczynski, as I mentioned in the very beginning of the stream. Joseph Kaczynski is the same director who has done now billion-dollar film, first billion-dollar film for Tom Cruise, Top Gun Maverick, which is a phenomenal movie, very strong legs, doing incredibly well. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly how much money it makes because at this point, the sky is the really the sky is the limit. Um, no pun intended, but you know what? All pun intended. So same director as that. He's also done films like um, Only the Brave, which was a phenomenal movie about the uh, I forget the name of the mountain range, but they were known as like the was it the granite mountain hot shots or something to that effect. Again, I, I don't remember the exact name um, of the group, and I'm sure that y'all will know it, but it was the hot shots. So the firefighters who take care of wildfires, take care of forest fires. Um, and that was a phenomenal movie. So well done. So, uh, you know, b- beautifully shot. Everything about it was 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 fantastic. 
Um, and he's also done other films that I've talked about on the channel, things like Oblivion, which I think is a very underrated sci-fi film. Some people like his work on Tron Legacy. I'm not as crazy about it, but the visuals were actually uh, kind of nice. And a lot of that all stems from the fact that he has worked with the same cinematographer on almost, in fact, I think all of these films he's worked with the same cinematographer, Claudio Miranda. So Spiderhead, already from like off the bat, it has... The director, Joseph Kaczynski, solid director. It has Claudio Miranda, solid cinematographer. So the look and feel of the film is actually very, very good. Everything about it just looks very pristine. It looks very nice. doesn't really look like your typical Netflix film. That's just, again, my own personal thought about that. Then you dive into the story, and there's a really interesting concept with the story because it deals with drugs. It deals with, basically, you have a number of prisoners who have been given the opportunity, and you really pick up with this opportunity, and you don't really see them transition from a state prison. So all of them are essentially felons uh, who were in a state prison, and they indicate right the terrible conditions of state prison, and they've been allowed to, and they were invited to, uh, be invited to this island, essentially, this island complex, as it were, where they have, you know, very nice meals, they have a lot of free reign amongst the complex, but all they have to do is agree to have this this contraption, essentially, uh, attached to their spine, attached to their back. And what it does is it injects them with different chemicals, different compounds, and basically different drugs. So the whole film actually is in a very interesting commentary in certain aspects commentary at least this is how i perceived it about pharmaceutical companies and about pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical industry which always again always amazes me whenever hollywood does movies like this when they talk about something where it's like man they're right on the money but then you go back to some comments that they've made or you look at the last three years right and and just how many people spoke up in support of pharmaceutical companies it's like wait a minute you can call them out in films like this, and you can call them out in uh, in other films. I know that Soderbergh, for instance, did a film that that dealt with this very issue as well. It was called Side Effects. It also dealt with the pharmaceutical industry. Um, you even can go as far as looking into the Dallas Buyers Club being critical of government and the pharmaceutical industry. So it always amazes me when Hollywood is able to do that. But then they're also able to stand up for the pharmaceutical industry during the years of COVID and, and all of the nonsense there. So, again, I, I just feel like it is something where it's a good commentary. And I think it's a very interesting concept. But that was always in the back of my head as the movie was going on. But also, too, one of the things that the film does is one of the drugs is one that makes the prisoners essentially very hypersexual. And so there's a couple of sequences in the movie where they have long, really awkward sequences where the characters are, you know, having sex. And you all know me. That stuff always just bothers me. It's just, especially when it's just very gratuitous and unnecessary. It's not really gratuitous necessarily. They don't show a lot of, I guess you could say, like, they don't show a lot of skin in in that sense, you know, in that gratuitous sense. But they have, of course, just, you know, all the other elements that are there when they could have easily just cut away, they decide not to. And again, that stuff just bothers me in general. So again, I honestly, I look to that and the concept I do think is very interesting. I like the general story. The acting is also very solid in the film. Miles Teller is in the movie. You have uh, Chris Hemsworth in the movie too. And they all do a great job. The supporting cast as well is also very solid, but 
I honestly do think that those story elements that I've mentioned do definitely distract away when it comes to the pharmaceutical uh, company commentary. That was a bit distracting. And then also, too, those hyper-sexualized, over-sexualized scenes were, I just think, unnecessary. And, you know, when it comes to Kaczynski, he was not a part of the writing team for the movie. However, he is still the director, so can't give him a complete pass on it. And uh, I ended up giving the film a C plus because there are some great and interesting story elements that are there for sure. The acting is solid. Cinematography and direction are solid. But again, the story is really, I think, where it finds its weak point. Over on Odyssey, we have, let's see, Sentien uh, Naiwa, I think is how that's pronounced. Thank you for joining. Hail to you. All right. Heading back over to the YouTube chat, the Voyager 47, hail to you. Thanks for joining. Rob D, thanks for tagging, says, Hello, Odin, do you think Disney is going to sell off Pixar or relegate them to Disney Plus if another movie flops? It's hard really to say. As I mentioned, I, I look to them and the only time and way that any of their executives are ever going to be held accountable is if the studio, or, or more specifically, the shareholders of Disney hold them accountable. I don't know if there is a way or means. I'm not an expert on shares or what it means to be a shareholder or the power that they have. I don't know if that's something that the board would have to do. I don't know if that's something the shareholders could at least influence the board potentially, but something needs to be done if they're going to hope to remain solvent, right? Cause they can argue now saying, yeah, we might be losing a hundred million here and a hundred million there, but we're making a billion Disney plus do nothing not putting any effort in low effort um and that could you know sustain them for a little while but as they continue to alienate more fan bases and continue to push more normies even out of those fan spaces that exist already and in addition to ones that are going to come and they're going to destroy in the future eventually they're not going to be able to hide behind that and especially if their stock price continues to fall that is another, that's a whole other factor, right? It's one thing for a company to be solvent, to be profitable as a whole. It's another for the publicly traded company, right? The publicly being publicly traded as a key part of that to uh, be in the right trajectory. Because when you have several shareholders who are losing millions upon millions of dollars with the falling stock price, Eventually, those people are going to either take their shares somewhere else, or maybe they'll speak up. Who knows? Judge Red hails you, says, how many steelbooks do you have and from what movies? Way too many to be able to list off. Just next to me alone, I have like a whole stack's worth of them. I've not been able to put these in the collection because I honestly need another Blu-ray shelf at this point. But here's just a whole stack of Blu-rays that I own. Most of these are from the Studio Ghibli collection, but I've got uh, newer films like Lawrence of Arabia on 4K Steelbook. I've got The Bridge Over the River Kwai on 4K Steelbook. And then most of these are all uh, Studio Ghibli releases. So Castle in the Sky. Some of these I haven't seen. Some of these are upgrades of my Blu-ray collection. Howl's Moving Castle. By the way, if you've never seen Studio Ghibli, highly recommend their films. I'm not huge into anime, but when it comes to anime, these are the films that I always like to go to. Kiki's Delivery Service. Here's a non Definitely not a Studio Ghibli film, but still a great film. 4K Steelbook for The Untouchables. Great film. Uh, Brian De Palma uh, was introduced to this film because of the members of this channel. Hail to y'all. From Up on Poppy Hill. Steelbook. Poco Rosso. Steelbook. 
Cat Returns, and Ponyo. So some of those films, as I said, I haven't seen yet. Um, my wife really likes the Studio Ghibli films, though, so I'm definitely going to hold off on some of those to watch. But I got a plethora of them uh, behind me as well. So <laughs> too many others to name off. Gus, what's going on, man? Thank you very much for tagging, saying, Odin's up, Broden. What's going on, Gus? Thank you very much for being here. Uh, Hannibal Grimm says, Goody little two shoes. Aw. Yeah, I guess. It happens. Stark about what's going on. Star says, I have my cheese pizza plain. Nice. Very, very nice. That is acceptable. That is definitely acceptable. Uh, Kirzilla, thanks for tagging, saying, Missed you on the Rulings Friday. Had some great wins. Absolutely, Kirzilla. Yeah, I was very sad to not be streaming, but as I mentioned, I had to drive to St. Louis and ended up a six-hour drive ended up taking eight hours. But, yeah, when 10 a.m. rolled around, uh, we had just gotten back in the central time, so it was 9 a.m. So I had to reorient myself a little bit there with a you know very small time change. But still, again, you definitely have to get used to it. So I was able to get my phone hooked up to a live stream, get my headphones on because baby was trying to sleep in the car. Wife doesn't want to listen to the same things that I want to listen to as well. So we... Uh, so I was able to listen to, there was a stream from like a local, maybe it was like a local Fox channel or local ABC channel doing a live stream coverage of it with somebody. And so I was able to hear them live. And I remember when the first decision came out, it wasn't the road decision. And I was like, yeah, that's what I figured. We're probably gonna get a few more that are not. And then all of a sudden she gets really excited saying, oh, this is it. This is it. This, this is, this is Dobbs. This is Dobbs. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they're actually doing it. They're actually releasing it today. So yeah, uh, amazing that on the Feast of the Sacred Heart, on um, what many years will just simply be the Feast of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. Very appropriate in either case um, for that decision to come out in favor of life was was a phenomenal one. And so that was a great decision. And then Monday, we had a great decision. I did a bonus OMB report live stream on Monday because we had the decision where um, the, the right to religious freedom was upheld. You know, the, the football coach who went to the middle of the field to pray and other students were invited to do so. He didn't force anyone to do so. Um, and so he was defended. And so it's a huge win for religious liberty. And uh, it was a very, very, I think, good decision. Uh, just reading a little bit of what Gorsuch wrote in the majority. We will have a uh, Good Morning Asgard stream tomorrow on this channel. First hour will be dedicated to movie box office talk. But then at the last 30 minutes, we'll continue to talk about those things. But I'll also have the Supreme Court page pulled up because they're supposed to release more opinions tomorrow. And I think they should be able to get the rest of the opinions they have left out. And the one I'm waiting for is the one on the EPA because I'm hoping and expecting, especially with the decisions we've gotten, for them to put limitations on the federal government, which is always a good thing. You never want a strong federal government, uh, especially when it's already too powerful. The Ghost, what's up, brother? Says, pineapple is good once in a while when I'm tired of my usual meat feast pizzas. No, it's never okay, all right? It's heretical. It is diabolical. It is just wrong. It's unnatural. It is the dark side. There are many different ways that I could describe pineapple on pizza, and those are just a few of them. G-Man, what's going on? Hail to you, G-Man. 
Thank you for being here. Orange Hat Reviews is a member saying, Odin, I got a white privilege card as well. It has gotten many laughs. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. It's just great because, like, there's just so many small things on it, right? So, for one thing, very clearly it says the white privilege card trumps everything, right? So, there's uh, trigger warning there for, you know, mentions of Trump. And then the numbers on the card is 0045. So, more references there. Member since birth, good through death, holder, uh, card holder, holder named Scott Free. And then at the very back, this card grants its bearer happiness and success because it's the color of your skin and not the choices you make that determine your ability to be successful. I just think that's hilarious because it's exactly what these people who honestly believe in this say. And it's it's just nonsense. It's hogwash. Super says, I'm good, thanks. Found out this afternoon Gina Carano went on Joe Rogan's show. So I've been listening to that, loving it so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that she was going on Joe Rogan. So I saw the same notification as well from Daily Wire Entertainment. So I, I got that thing queued up. So I haven't started listening to it yet. But at one point, I will. Yeah, Tina, I totally agree with you here. Yeah, A24 has been screwing up for a long time. And I agree with this sentiment completely. She says, A24 is making me angry. They screwed up with Last Night in Soho and The Northman. So I definitely agree with Last Night in Soho. They screwed up that release. They did a terrible job with it. And unfortunately, that film ended up losing money. Not because I don't I don't think it was really that it cost all that much. It's just I don't think the release and the marketing was very good for the film. The Northman I do have a slight disagreement with because the biggest problem and issue with the Northman was that it cost too much. So I definitely think A24, I believe they were the main producer. I know, again, it's it's always tricky with the studios because some studios are strictly distributors. So they distribute the movie, but they don't actually put the money into the production. So they put in some money in marketing costs or things to that nature. So A24 definitely screwed up with the Northman in that respect. But the, the issue with the Northman was more so the money it cost to make it. Whereas Last Night in Soho was a lot more dealing with the actual release and the actual marketing, which I think I would put more responsibility on A24 uh, in that specific instance. But yeah, Northman, I mean, I, I, there's no way anyone could justify that film costing as much as that because they could have easily made that film for half of the amount of money they spent on it, which was close to what, 80 to 85 million, if my memory serves me. Uh, LBS Bear, what's going on? Hail to you. Uh, so again, um, but I believe they were distributed. I believe they were distributed by A24. Let me look that up. Let me let me let me fact check myself. Let's see. So according to the numbers, last night in Soho was uh, domestically released by Focus, but that is not necessarily mean. Because that's distribution. That's not necessarily the marketing, or rather the production. So let's pull up the Wikipedia page. I hate Wikipedia sometimes, but sometimes you got to look into it. Uh, so actually, yeah. So I'll go ahead and, yeah. So for Last Night in Soho, that is... So thank you very much for, for, for noticing that. So I, I stand corrected. Yeah, the production companies for Last Night in Soho were Film 4, Perfect World, Working Title... So those were the production companies. And then the distribution domestically was focused and distributed by uh, Universal Pictures. And then, let's see, Northman 
because I thought that that had I thought that was a twenty four as well. Let me see what we can get about that movie. So Northman was produced by Regency. New Regency, Square Peg, Perfect World, distributed by Focus Features, uh, domestically, Universal, International. Okay, so I stand corrected on those, uh, but the budget was somewhere between 70 and 90 million. So even though it was not A24 that screwed up those movies, Focus screwed up those movies. So the, the production company still screwed up those films in a major way. Let's see. Hannibal Grimm says, I was pissed we didn't get Marcel at my work. I was hoping for a trifecta of good films last weekend. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm hoping that it gets a much wider release soon. By the way, what that was just a sign of and a symbol of is the fact that I am still human and make mistakes. And I own up to them when I do. So that's on me. That's on me. A24 still, and I still stand by this, it still has screwed up the release and did screw up the release of everything everywhere all at once. And it ended up paying out for them, but they still screwed it up. Uh, let's see. Nathan Slay, I say, Marcel the Shell looks so bizarre. I mean, to me, it looks rather cringe. I don't know. I thought it looked kind of cute. That's just me. Rosie G12, hail to you. Thank you for the $20 super chat. Says here, oh, let's celebrate Doms. I'm virtually high-fiving you and giving you thanks. Absolutely high-five. Rosie G12, hail to you. And yeah, uh, thank God for that decision. But it's a huge, huge victory in a battle in a much larger war, of course. Uh, I even mentioned this on, I believe it was the OMB Report stream the other day, where I said, you know, even in my own state of Tennessee, where there are trigger laws that are going to be going into effect in a couple of weeks, um, even they still leave open possibilities for these um, different services to be provided in very strict circumstances. And again, as someone who who is very you know passionately and uh, not afraid to to say it out loud, you know, very proudly pro life, very much supportive of human life. Human life is human life, no matter how that human life comes into existence. So, yeah. Alrighty then, let us see who else is in the chat. Oh yeah, so Tina, I actually mentioned this to John today. I make this, so it's actually, it's Joseph Kaczynski, Joseph Kaczynski. But every time I say his name, I always for a second think John Krasinski. So I I never confuse them as far as people because I know they're two separate people, but I always get the names in my head at the same time. So yeah, it's Joseph Kosinski who has done Top Gun Maverick and also has done Spiderhead. Whereas John Krasinski is the one who's done the Quiet Place films. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I get I get I get tripped up with it too when I think in my head I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> the names are so so familiar. Jay Wan, thank you very much for becoming a member. Hail to you, thank you very much. Uh. Yeah, Soul Assassin. So I'd gotten that part of it. Um, all right. Let us see. Do 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 do. Mr. Peabody, hail to you. Been a while. Glad to have you back in the chat, good sir. Always good to have you here, good sir. Um LBS official bear, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Mike H., thank you very much for being here. Yeah, uh, uh, Tina had just mentioned that the uh, extension had been made. Uh, just another red shirt, hail to you, good sir. Thanks for being a member on the channel. Appreciate it. Justin's epic voice recordings. I say Ghibli. 
I've always heard it as Studio Ghibli. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to that. Asaj Muli, what's going on? Tomorrow is red. Today is the vigil. So since it's the vigil, it's purple. I actually don't know why specifically it is. The only thing I can think of is it's meant to be a time of preparation for the feast tomorrow. Um, so my guess is that, therefore, there's this connection to penance. I don't know, but that's what my calendar has. Paradox Guy tagged and said, It's fine even encouraged for companies to do risky projects from time to time. It seems these people have no idea what a risky project is these days. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine to do risky projects, right? That's sometimes how, you know, I was watching an episode of DS9 recently where Quark was talking to another character, and I forget the name of the actor that plays, uh, that plays the character uh, that he's in communication with, but he's trying to create a business relationship with this one guy. And at one point, he's trying to explain to him the Ferengi concept of profit. And this other race, which is also very much involved in uh uh not marketing but in monetary gain right is also interested in profit is much more safe about it they want to know everything about things prior to entering into a financial relationship with anybody and so what he tries what cork tries to explain to the character is that they um is that you know the bigger the risk the bigger the reward right so go big or go home essentially is what he's trying to teach and so at one point they have a dud of a uh, was it an ion missile or bomb or something again i don't know the official name of it but it it embeds in their ship but it doesn't actually go off and so they end up having to take it apart and at one point the guy who is who's with him is someone who actually knows a little bit about the bomb so he's able to actually go it in himself oh my goodness i didn't even know you could do that oh my goodness low watermark just gifted five omp reviews memberships low watermark i didn't even know that you could gift memberships that's insane so i think it's first come first serve i guess but whitefall super anime gamer paradox guy resident moon Howler, and general wingster congratulations on becoming members of the channel and Shout out to Low Watermark. I, di- I didn't know. I knew you could do that on places like Twitch. That must be a new feature on YouTube. But hey, welcome to the membership gang, y'all. And shout out to Low Watermark for gifting those memberships at the Army of Asgard level. Hail. That is awesome. Was unexpected. <laughs> but thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, but... <laughs> But anyway, I got distracted by that. Um, but but yeah, so the concept that Quark introduces is, you know, go big, go home. And so there is definitely a metric to that, right? There's some movie studios that made it onto the map because they took a big risk on a project. But even when you take a big risk, you have to have at least some understanding and some knowledge that there is a good chance of success, right? So even though it might be risky because you can put a lot of money into it, you only do it if you really believe in it, right? If you only, if you only, if you actually believe in it and you want to put your money behind it, is what I was trying to say. Let's see, Mr. Roy. Hello, good sir. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being in the chat. Um, let us see. And now I've got to pay attention because there's <laughs> there's new members. Uh, Paradox guy, hail to you. Says they need to stop listening to yes men or something like that who tell them it's a great idea. Absolutely. 
That is a complete fact. Uh, Nikki D. Hail. Thanks for tagging. Says, Hemsworth's character in Spiderhead seemed to display communist tendencies. He justifies his immoral actions for the greater good. Also, his company's insignia resembles the hammer and sickle. Yeah, and he's the bad guy. And, and again, that's why, that's why Nikki, I think that there, is, there are really good elements to the story, but I cannot help but always be distracted by the fact that it's a Hollywood company like Netflix, and that's Hollywood actors who are the same people who stood up for the pharmaceutical industry for three plus years and really in many ways still are defending them because of COVID uh, and the vaccines. And yet they're calling out the pharmaceutical company. They're calling out big business in the movie. And yeah, one of the things that the guy pushes, one of the things that Chris Hemsworth character pushes is, is to say basically to t- try and take away free will is that concept. It reminded me a lot of Serenity. So in the film Serenity, which is the film that was brought to the screen because of fans uh, who loved the show Firefly. And man, great show, solid movie. But at one point in Serenity, they get to a planet where during the terraforming process, because they have the ability to do that during this time, to take uninhabited, you know, an uninhabitable planets and be able to actually terraform them to have a atmosphere and to sustain life. They decided to, the, the big government in this universe, decided to put a chemical compound in it. And this chemical compound impacted all of the residents of this planet as they moved there. And it was there to weed out aggression. And what they realized is that it actually had two very severe effects. For those that it actually reduced their sense of violence in, it made them so nonviolent that it led to them literally not doing anything at all just laying down to die. And then in a very small percentage of the population, they had an adverse reaction. And these become the Reavers in this universe. And the Reavers are ones where they are hyper-violent, right? They, they have an adverse reaction. They have a complete opposite end of reaction. They become so hyper-violent that they end up being inhuman in their treatment of others. So in Spiderhead, it has that element to it where he's trying to create a drug that causes one to... Um, to basically do whatever it is that they are told to do. And the whole goal is to try and say, I'm selling peace is, is his concept, his mindset. So again, he's the bad guy. He's the evil one, right? Because he's trying to take away free will. But it's just, again, so hard to take that seriously from a company like Netflix and from another you know, major company, a major corporation in general, you know? I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, it's very frustrating, I think. Uh, Hannibal Graham tagged to say, EPA is good and all until they demand you turn off the containment grid. <laughs> uh, Input Latency says, uh, yesterday I had the unfortunate displeasure of being forced into watching the Velocipastor. Uh, did, uh, did get to have some decent Christian talks with some friends, though. Hope and pray that uh, we'll be able to have those talks in person soon. Or if not, that God will lead us each other along a narrow path that we can meet at the pearly gates. God love you, friend. Hey, God love you as well, man. And yeah, I always love having those discussions. So um, yeah, hopefully we're able to, to have a conversation in person. That was one of the cool things about the uh, Dallas trip, most especially, was how many people I got to talk to, not just about box office numbers, but also just about faith and about um, belief. And it just was, it was so humbling. And it was, again, amazing. I love those discussions so much. So, so much. Uh, let's see. Nathan Slay says, what's your favorite low budget film? For me, it might be the OG Evil Dead. I'm impressed how Raimi created that classic with such a low budget and under harsh conditions. I, I don't have a good 
answer, I feel, <laughs> for this one. Because the answer I go to from a more objective level, I've never seen the movie, so I can't speak to the film itself. But I think that you kind of can't ignore uh, the Blair Witch Project. That movie was made for thousands of dollars. And I believe it might still hold a record for the greatest return on investment based on how much money was put in versus how much money it actually made. So I got to give kudos to the movie for that, at least. Again, I've never seen it, so I can't speak to the movie itself. But uh, Blair Witch Project, as far as low-budget films are concerned, did a a lot um, for the found footage genre, which was definitely overdone after that movie. Um, But there were some pretty good found footage films that came from that, I would say. And for low-budget films in general, it it kind of made a statement as well. You don't need a lot of money. You don't need a huge marketing cost. You can actually, through word of mouth alone, have a successful movie, you know? So I would definitely definitely put that one out there. As far as films that I've enjoyed, I would say films like... I know this is one I've mentioned previously, but films like Love and Monsters. It's not really a low, low low-budget film. It was still like a $40 million movie. But it came out during the pandemic era. It went straight to like streaming video on demand services. And it was a movie where I just appreciated the CGI so much. Because in a $40 million film, they were able to create very realistic looking monsters. And were able to integrate them into you know, real life location shooting. And I thought it, it looked so much better than some of the big $200 plus million films that are made today. So that's one that I always go to, even though it's not technically low, low budget because it's still 40 million. But for what they were able to do with 40 million versus what you see Disney do with 200 plus million dollar projects, it's it's insane. It's so stupid. Um, it honestly is. So I those are the two films. I don't know why that that kind of pop into my head. Uh, yeah, Hannibal Graham, we were able to get that figured out, but I appreciate that. That's why I looked it up. Let's see. General Wingster says Odin has been snooped in real time. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. It's like, I, yeah, I'm right there. So it's like I find out that it wasn't A24. It's like, okay, then I'll just blame Focus Features, right? I'll just blame the company that's responsible. And A24 still is responsible for not handling some of their films well either. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't change the facts, as it were. Uh, Laura, the modern major general, Hale. What's going on, Laura? Shorty short. Thanks for being here. And thank you for being in the chat earlier as well. Getting up at 6 a.m., that Cali time. Uh, Hannibal Grimm tag to say, don't get me started on everything everywhere's release. Oh, don't even, don't even get me started. Greta Zenner, hail to you, Greta. What's going on? It was her birthday about a week or two ago. So happy belated birthday, Greta. Thanks for joining the stream. When's the next video? That's what I want to know. Hardwick. Tag to say, it's interesting that two of Gina Carano's most well-known movies, Haywire and Terror on the Prairie, have no musical scores. Uh, So there is actually, I I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Haywire does have a score, or at least has some music in the movie. It's just that during the fight sequences, they made a very purposeful, uh, Soderbergh made a very specific and on-purpose choice to not have any music underlying the fight sequences because he wanted those sequences to feel a lot more real and authentic. And I actually have asked that question, and I would love to hear, I don't know if if Gina Carano or if any of the producers have been asked the question or not, if the reason why they chose to not have a score in Terror, if that's because of her experience on the film Haywire. I'm wondering if that had some influence on, on the movie. I don't know. 
I, w- I would find that interesting to hear um, where that decision came from, if it came from a practical decision or if it came from an inspiration, rather. Uh, Clevis McDonald, what's going on? Says, watch Top Gun Maverick, worth my matinee monies. Hail. Thanks for the Lord's Prayer this morning. Absolutely, Clevis. Absolutely. He asked for uh, the Our Father this morning at the end of the stream, so I was able to do so in Latin. Um, so, again, appreciate you for asking for it. Uh, Nikki D, thank you for the $5 super chat. Says, I think for Thor 4 will open with $200 million for the domestic box office and end its theatrical run with $1.1 billion worldwide. Your thoughts? Um, I My gut wants to say that it's not going to make that much money worldwide. I don't see it breaking a billion dollars. I just really don't. I mean, I look at Doctor Strange and I see the film getting to $940, $950 million, and it's slowed down so much at this point and did not have very good word of mouth. And so I I just, based on the trailers and based on what you already are hearing from a lot of people who are looking at this movie and are concerned about some of the decisions that they're already making, just the Jane Foster decision alone, I think, is going to actually turn off a lot of people from having any general interest in it. I, I just don't see the film necessarily having the best legs. Now, I'm someone who I've mentioned previously, though. I need to wait for the numbers to actually come out. I need to actually see the data. You all know this. I'm a numbers guy. But right now, the projections, so from boxofficepro.com, they do a lot of these projections. Right now, they are projecting the film to open between 145 and 190. It's a 4% lower number. And I think that's 4% lower this time around because of the fact that Lightyear bombed. And I think the question needs to be asked, is this something that is only going to be a trend in Disney Pixar films or Disney kids movies? Or is this rejection really of Disney going to also perpetuate into their more serious films? You know, because a lot of stuff happened between the release of Doctor Strange and the release of of Lightyear. So we're going to be following those numbers, obviously, very closely. But it'll be incredibly intriguing to see where Thor... Love and Thunder falls on the opening weekend and also where the end result is because they're also, this is from Box Office Pro, they're also projecting a domestic total of 327 to 459. Those numbers to me don't sound high enough to explain the film being able to make a billion because they're not going to have this film in China for a lot of reasons and that tends to be their bread and butter. So I looked to the 1.1 billion that you've mentioned, and I think maybe with China, maybe. I mean, think about Doctor Strange 2. Doctor Strange 2 is at 940, 950. Imagine if it had China. I think that a billion would, would, would almost be a guarantee. So without China, I don't really see Thor Love and Thunder being able to be a billion dollar film. I don't. So I, I see Top Gun Maverick as the current billion dollar film. I think there's still an outside chance. I'll have to wait and see what the next drop-off is for the Jurassic World movie. Ah, just it's a terrible movie. It really is. But it's also not seeing as massive of a drop week to week as Doctor Strange did. So it still has a chance at a billion, but I, I'm I'm not as confident in that film being able to reach the same point. Um, so the next billion-dollar film, I mean, does Thor Love and Thunder have the potential? Sure. It's an MCU film, and any MCU film is going to be able to bring out the Marvel stands, the normie audience, you know, 
people who are fans of Taika, people who are fans of just the Thor uh, films in general. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. But if, if it was me, if I had to guess right now, I don't think it's going to make a billion. And I would be surprised if it made as much as Doctor Strange did, to be honest. Uh, Bruce says, I say Ghibli. Yeah. Uh, Jay Price, what's going on? I'm really liking it. Rosie G12 is a member, says, am I the only one that thinks the new Thor movie looks like hot garbage? No. I mean, the actual look of the film is not good. It, it's They've gotten to this, this formulaic approach to all their movies where they're using so much CGI, so much green screen, blue screen, whatever kind of screen they're using. Maybe they're using the Star Wars technology with the you know giant 4K panels behind them or 8K panels, whatever the heck they are. And I think that it just makes everything look so artificial. And in other words, looks like hot garbage. So yeah, um, it just doesn't look very good. And I do think though, it's going to have a pretty strong opening weekend. I think it's definitely going to be, I think it's going to be north of 150 domestically for its opening, if I had to guess. And I think that internationally, it might be similar as well. But it'll be interesting because you're looking at what, maybe three to four hundred million dollar opening weekend worldwide, maybe. But we'll have to wait and see. And then of course that week two drop off, how big is it gonna be? Nathan Slate Tags, I Spirit Away, Ponyo, my neighbor Totoro, and Princess Mononoke are all good movies. I have to see again. Yeah. Um I have not seen uh Ponyo. Uh so that's a film that's I'm glad to pick up Porco Rosso as well. Porco Rosso I, I have not been able to see either. Let's see. Hardwick tagged to say, what did you think of the performance uh, that Daniel Day-Lewis' son gave in Terror on the Prairie? He was the young one with the bowler hat. Uh, I thought everyone did a great job. I thought they were all pretty solid in their performances. I don't remember a weak performance. Long Gunman, who was a member, or sorry, Long Gunman who tagged to say, there is a great episode where Quark gives a Vulcan a lesson on economics. Yeah, I I don't know if I've gotten to that one yet or not, but Quark is so great. Absolutely. Shout out to Low Watermark. Thank you again for gifting those memberships. Again, didn't even know you could do that. Kirzilla, who's a member, says, that's awesome. Paradox Guy, who's now a member, says, woohoo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, General Wingster. Oh, man. I don't know. What have you done, Low Watermark? What have you done? Says, I am now a member. My superiority will reign supreme. Oh, <laughs> exterminate exterminate oh goodness me soul assassin who i believe was able to get one of those memberships uh says you have to hit the gift icon to be able to get the membership from what i'm told well hey you got one matt 317 is a member hail to you good sir thank you for being here so let's see i need to remember white falls super paradox resident and wingster I will do my best to remember all these new members. <laughs> Low watermark, you savage. Uh, Keck44, what's going on? Thanks for being here. Resident Moonhowler. Hello. Hello, member. Hardwick. Time to say here. The more I think about it, the more similarities I find between the plots of Old Henry and Terra on the Prairie. I think that Old Henry has somewhat stronger story overall, though. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen Old Henry yet. I have it. Uh, again, shout out to... Um, Laura, did you send that to me? Someone sent it to me. Um, I think it was Laura, but it is on my to-do list, to my to my to-watch list. Anonomas, hail to you. Thanks for being a member. The Pax, the peace. 
God bless you. Oh, man. General Wingster. Now that Odin can see what I say, Avatar is a good movie that held up extremely well. Ah, General Wingster. You're evil. Low watermark. How dare you give this power to General Wingster? No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mr. Peabody tagged to say, heard everything's in, is Disney really going to start a Firefly series? I have heard that rumor. I have not seen any actual clarification. I want to say someone reported it, and then I looked for the news story, and I think all I could find was like a Cosmic Book News, I think, or we got this covered. It was that level uh, from what I remembered. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not taking this seriously. Um, I I have not heard any really reputable online sources um, that have mentioned whether or not they're going to go through with that or not. I think it would be a terrible idea for them to do so since they're going to clearly want to reboot it, and they're going to go with the same identity politics nonsense that you saw Netflix try and do with Cowboy Bebop, and it's going to fail. You know, it's one thing if you bring the original characters back, but even then, I don't trust Disney with it. Uh, Soul Assassin Daddy said, The ads and marketing helped make The Blair Witch a success. It's really good. You'll, you might like it. Yeah, I heard it's a great, really great thriller, um, and I do like those thriller films um, that are not necessarily horror-specific, but more thriller-specific. Um, but it was the word of mouth campaign that like the whole concept of word of mouth was really born or at least found a new life because of Blair Witch. Uh, Derek Douglas, what is going on? Hail to you. Thanks for being in the chat. Wayward Noodle, hail to you. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Um, ba-da-ba-ba-da. Victor Fontaine tagged to say, how far did you get into season four of DS9? I'm about halfway through at this point, about halfway through. Uh, Judge Dredd said, what did you think of everything everywhere all at once? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed the film. I know that uh, John Henry Weston, who is a Catholic commentator for LifeSite News, he did a review of it and he found it to be anti-Catholic. I didn't really get that at all. I mean, sure, there's elements in the film that don't really line up with Catholic Schultz teaching. I totally admit that but as a movie he tried to make an argument that the whole like cosmic donut in the movie that's like this black hole represented was meant to be a like a criticism of or a a a flipping of the understanding of the eucharist and i was like i don't i think you're stretching i think it's a bit of a stretch i thought that that was I didn't really feel that. I really didn't get that message at all. I don't know if he read something from the director or the writer, but I wasn't really getting that kind of vibe from from the movie. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some stuff in there where I'm like, okay, you didn't need to show that, right? Some of the things that they have to do, for instance, to be able to do those jumps in the film were a, a bit too much, but luckily most of them were were, were, were at least mildly entertaining. Let's see. Hardwick says, did you find Unicrona's voice distracting in Terror on the Prairie? She used her real-life accent, which is very distinctly 21st century. Not really, because she is she doesn't really... Uh, she's not known for doing accents, so um, she may have... Did, did she even have an accent in... Was it Deadpool 2 that she was in? I don't really remember, so I feel like she has the same accent typically in all the films that she does, so... It wasn't really something I was even expecting, and so I didn't find it distracting, personally. Uh, Judge Red tagged to say, I personally think that Ben Shapiro was going to compose a track with his violin, but then destroy the soundtrack with facts and logic. (laughs) I didn't know quite where that was going, but the ending just made that whole comment well worth it, so (laughs) kudos to you, good sir. Um, 
But man, that's actually a really good that's a really good shout. I think that uh Ben Shapiro's score, that actually would be really interesting. That would be really, really interesting. Um all right. Let us see here. See, Hannibal Grimm tagged to say, This weekend we'll be going to test that theory. Got that Minion sequel hitting theaters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Minions projected to make 65 to 77 million, according to Box Office Pro. And if it even makes the low end of that 65, it would already be ahead of where Lightyear was. And let me just put it this way if Minions beats Lightyear. <laughs> Oh, I just would have, I have to laugh. I have to laugh. Master of Gaming, what's going on? Jacob Ironside, hail to you. Appreciate you being here. Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, tag to say, Spiderhead needs an injection and to, <laughs> Spiderhead, need an injection to forget I watched the film. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, it's, a, again, I gave it a C plus. It's above average, but it's, again, it's nothing too special. I wouldn't say it's terrible, though. It basically has an amazing story underneath that kind of gets distracted by a couple of the other elements. Uh, Metal Mike had to say, saw the black phone twice. We'll go back and see it a third time. Hope it makes its money back. Uh, based on the opening weekend for it, it's it's in a position to be able to to do that. Uh, the black phone, even on Monday, came in the number four spot, which is where it was over the weekend. Lightyear continued to come in at the number five spot. Uh, again, abysmal numbers for Lightyear, just doing terribly. But right now, Black Phone is at $39.6 million. Um, and I believe the film needed to make... Uh, let me see. Let me pull up my... Let me pull up my handy-dandy website. No, not the locals' website. There we go. All right, let's pull up my chart. Let me let me pull up the chart for everybody too, so that way y'all y'all can actually see what it is I'm going through. Oh, I need to hide that so y'all can still see my face. So, Black Phone opened at 35. Currently, it's at 39. It needs to make 42.5. It's gonna make it. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna say it right now. It's gonna it's gonna make at least that 42.5. So it'll hit its break even point and uh, probably make some decent profits. I don't know how many bars of gold latinum, or rather, uh, how many how many bars of gold pressed latinum it's going to make, but I think it's going to do pretty well. It's gonna it's gonna make a it's gonna make a little bit of profit. Uh, Jeremy Zakowski says here, I think some people are kind of burnt out on MCU. Again, I think there's a lot of factors that could lead to Thor: Love and Thunder not being a huge hit, but it's one of those things where. It could be a big hit, but it could also be a major disappointment. I need to see what those Thursday numbers are because that can give us an idea of a comparison. So to see, okay, where does the Thursday... To me, I would say, if you want to see an early indication of how Thor Love and Thunder will do, look at the Thursday numbers and compare them directly to Doctor Strange 2. That, I think, is going to be a big key indicator because this is not the first Taika Waititi film. So it's not like you're going to have some new groundswell that you may have seen with a Ragnarok, for instance, where people said, oh, this is a different kind of Thor movie. Some people got turned off by it. Some people liked it. I don't think you're going to get that same effect here because this is now a known entity and a known property and a known iteration of the character at this point. So you have that going for it. But 
Yeah. That that Thursday number is going to be, I think, a very a very key number to look at to, to be able to look ahead to what it likely will do. Let's see. Clevis, sad to say, There Will Be Blood is a better film than No Country for, for Old Man. Uh, changed my mind. Uh, I don't need to because I agree. I think No Country for Old Men is mostly boring, to be honest. I think it's well made in various ways, but There Will Be Blood is just, I think, a much more iconic film. I can't think of a single quote from No Country for Old Men. There are several quotes that I can remember from There Will Be Blood. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. I am the third revelation. So many great lines in it. Oh, man, oh, man. Uh, Tina B, I saw this, I had to tag it, uh, says, wait, Taika Waititi, or sorry, Token Wotiti has fans? Sorry, sorry, I know he does. I was joking, just because I think he, <laughs> just because I think he is a, is, is an ass, uh, doesn't mean everyone exactly, right? I mean, because we have to be honest, right? Even Brie Larson has fans. We may not understand <laughs> why they're fans, but yeah, even trash people have fans and i will say i do think that taika has only somewhat recently over the last like five years gotten full of himself there was a time when i think that he actually had all the potential in the world i i go back especially to his mockumentary that he made um what we do in the shadows i think it showed a lot of potential but then i think he got a big chance with thor ragnarok and i think he let it go to his head in, in many ways. So, uh, but yeah. Uh, Matt317, who's a member, says, I started reading Thor's first run, seeing that we never got to see Lee and Kirby's Thor brought to the screen. It feels like a travesty in retrospect. Yeah, I've never read it myself. As you all know, I'm, I'm a bit of a noob when it comes to the comics. But yeah, um, and that's why it's always interesting to hear comic fans' perspectives on it. And that's why I respect it. You know, when, when Gary calls out Thor Ragnarok, as a terrible iteration of the character of Thor, because of his knowledge of the comic version of the character, I have to say, I hey, I don't get that because I don't have that same connection, but I have to respect it because I, I know that you know your stuff. So even though I personally find Ragnarok to be entertaining, and I'm sure there will be some elements of Love and Thunder that might be entertaining to me, I'm not going to deny the fact, though, that I think he might... I don't think he's going to have the same success this time around. I really don't. The critics might eat it up again. Um, By the way, there's a great video out that I think everyone needs to see. Let me see if I can find it so I can pull it up in the chat. But it's, it's one that goes actually into the history of the rise and the fall of movie review channels. And it specifically talks about uh, channels like Collider channels like screen rant and it's a it's a it's a mini documentary it's about a 40 minute documentary that goes into some of these details and i think it actually does a really good job it's it's from a channel called winter's inferno and it's called how movie review channels die and the cancellation of annie signore and it was actually it was not made recently. I think it was made about a month or two ago at this point. But I'm going to go ahead and, and put it in the uh, the chat right now. So there is a link to that video. I highly recommend it. But one of the things that I, I really like about it is it goes into how 
around 2012 or so is when a lot of these channels started to get major access, right? So really when access media from the YouTube side of things started to become very real. So, you know, you have, I've always had these elite critics who've always gotten access, right? The, the main critics that were on Rotten Tomatoes, for instance, they had always gotten these access. But then that's when you start to see the rise of these YouTube channels of what seemed to be regular everyday personalities, and then all of a sudden they were starting to get notoriety and famous. And so then they started to get picked up by major channel brands and they started to be invited to these premieres. And then they started to become the same shills that these, you know, these, you know, prim and proper um, critics had always been. And it really does expose, I think, in a very clear way about just how disgusting these practices from these channels ended up being, you know, they sold their soul essentially for the access. There's a great clip in there where it goes back to the last Jedi and it calls out Christian Harloff and it calls out John Campy. And you all know John Campy is one of the biggest shells out there. And they're talking about the last Jedi poster and they can't help themselves, but say, look at this poster. It's the best poster ever. Oh my goodness. It's a po-. And, the text on the screen that Winter Winners Inferno puts up there is it's a poster. It's just a poster. And they're just going off like it's this amazing like the shilling. You I don't I don't think some of us remember the level of shilling that happened for that movie. So um yeah, I highly recommend that video. It's a great little mini documentary. Um and uh, it's from a very small channel too. He's got uh just a couple thousand, maybe it's up to three thousand subscribers, but I haven't watched anything else he's done, but that one's pretty good. Let's see. Hardwick tagged to say, Terror on the Prairie was the first time I saw a Nick Cersei performance. I was surprised at how great he was. He's a sort of American Jeffrey Rush in it. You've never seen him in stuff before. Yeah, he's he's always... I've seen him in other things. Um, this is definitely, I think, the biggest role that I've ever seen from him. I actually had to mention this to my wife uh, because I was trying to explain the movie to her to some of the people in it because she knew who Gina Carano was. But she didn't really know who Nick Cersei was. And so I tried to think of a film that she might remember because she's not a big movie buff. Um, and so I had to go all the way back to like Disney Channel days. He was the dad. Here's an obscure reference for you. He was the dad in the movie Double Teamed about the two um, basketball playing high school girls, twins, who were like over six feet tall. He plays their dad in that movie. And she still couldn't remember it. I'm like, oh, man, I came up with a great obscure movie reference. And uh, she wasn't able to get it. Uh, Matt317 says, The Divine Treasury. Amen. 70B. Hey, 70B. What's going on? Hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. Paradox guy who is now a member. Thanks to low watermark says when you finish DS nine, there is a video that shows all the Frankie rules might be worth watching at the end. Nice. Yeah. Someone in the chats, uh, or someone had mentioned during our season one review on RTF media that there is apparently like there's a list of the rules, like of all the rules of acquisition that have been mentioned in the show. And I, all I need to know, cause I don't think there's really spoiling much of anything, but I want to say he mentioned that, They've, they never mention every single rule of acquisition, but there's a large chunk of them. Um, and he was mentioning how I don't think that there's a poster 
that has the rules of acquisition. He's like, man, what a lost financial opportunity. How appropriate would it be to have like a poster that they could sell? And maybe someone like a fan has made one at this point, but I don't think there was ever any official merchandise where it's like a, a poster of all the rules of acquisition or at the very least maybe a book, right, with all the rules of acquisition, right? That's something that I think a lot of hardcore fans would actually probably get into. Um, but again, I don't know if that stuff has existed or does exist or not, but anyway. Uh, Super, who is also a member on the channel, thanks to Low Watermark, says, stopped, uh, stepped away for a few little while for dinner and came back to find out I'm a channel member. Thanks for whoever made that donation. Yeah, uh, shout out to Low Watermark. So it, I guess, was it random then if you walked away and came back? I don't know. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how that all works. Gary Banjo tagged to say, Fillion said no reboots this week on Inside of You podcast. Okay, boom, there you go. Or, hey, no reboot as far as he's aware. I would not put it past Disney to <laughs> leave him completely in the black. Um, but Or completely in the dark, I should say. But, yeah, maybe not. Uh, Daniel Thorne over on DLive, hail to you. Uh, did you ever got to watch the new episode of The Orville? I have not. I have not been able to see the um, the new episode of The Orville. So I'm going to stop reading that comment just so that way I don't go in either with one, um, any presuppositions about it or uh, prejudgments. Nathan Slay says, do not watch The Blair Rift Project. I tried watching the whole thing and got bored and didn't finish it. Isn't thrilling at all. Well, again... I think different films thrill different people in different ways. So maybe it's a film that I might find engaging, you know, uh, Hannibal Grimm, who is, I believe he's also, no, he's not. I thought he might've been gifted a membership, but he's not on there. So no, but it was a bagel. You're correct. Thank you for correcting. All right, so we're getting close to the end of the show, about maybe 10 more minutes or so. Green Lion, welcome to the chat. Glad to have you here. Um, Let's see. Hannibal Grimm tagged to say, the Black Phone was a darn good suspense flick. Yeah, again, I've heard good things about it. Input latency, you have a good one. Green Lion tagged to say, Shapiro would break into his score to advertise that document forms service. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that clip from was it Kyle Dunnigan's uh, show? Whenever he has the the Shapiro Ben Shapiro character and he breaks into the promo, it's great. Let's see, Mister Peabody had to say you have a handy dandy website. I do have a handy dandy website. It's like a handy dandy notebook. <laughs> Only it's a website. Ryan Doles, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Right. By the way, thank you very much for thank you mods. Tina, thank you very much for destroying that. I, again, it does not make any sense to me how that is still able to get into the chat. It's been blocked several times. I'm sure that they've changed like a small part of their name, but here's the biggest thing. YouTube, you suck. Did I mention that YouTube sucks? YouTube sucks. They really really suck. And the main reason why is because the fact that I have the chat on subscribers only, and yet at no point do I ever get notified of that specific channel ever subscribing to the channel, how do they get access 
That means that there is a flaw in your system, YouTube. That means that there is a bug in your system that you need to fix and that you need to address. And you need to focus on that instead of continuing continuing to placate the massive corporations on the platform. Screw YouTube. Yes. That did flow quite well. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Tina P, uh, who's a mod, says, yes, Brie Larson and Amber Heard have fans. Yes, they do. Uh, by the way, <laughs> on the Flick Pick podcast today, someone, one of his subscribers, went back in time to 2011, 2012, and pulled some very fun quotes from him. Oh, man, there were some doozies in there. Rosie G12 says, Odin, the word you're looking for is Richard. What word was I looking for? I I, I need context. <laughs> uh, Kurzilla, Token Wotiti. Yes, I always love the names that Tina and stuff come up with. <laughs> they're always pretty solid. General Wingster, who's a member, says, No, Tina, they're not real people. They are simps. Ooh, shots fired. I understood the context of that as that was definitely um, a, a shot towards the Amber Heard people. Um, but up, up, but up, bump. Let's see. Nearside Cyclops, hail to you. Uh, Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father. Hail. Tina B, tag to say. Gary said the critics are already lapping up Thor 4, calling it the greatest MCU movie, I guess, since the last MCU movie they simped over. Consume product, then wait to consume more next product. Exactly. Right, they they, they simped oh, they've simped over every single MCU film that's almost that's ever come out as the greatest film ever. I mean, but now you're starting to see more and more every single film. You're starting to see a much wider gap between the audience and the critics. So I, I think that more and more regular everyday people are starting to wake up to that fact, are starting to wake up to the nonsense and BS that are perpetuated by these shills. But there's still a lot of people that don't. You know, I mentioned this, I think, in one of my streams earlier in the summer where the I had a guy over here who was spraying for bugs, right, the bug guy. And at one point he was spraying in here and he saw my setup. He's like, Oh, I saw your setup. Do you stream? And I'm like, yeah. And I mentioned, you know, doing the YouTube channel and he, um, I mentioned that I cover movie, movie news, movie box office and reviews. And then he asked about a movie and then his immediate comment was, yeah, well, I was looking at Rotten Tomatoes and Oh man, it's got this great score. And I'm like, I understand that person because I used to be one of those persons. I used to be someone that took that Rotten Tomatoes score actually very seriously. Now, I always understood it in its context because the way I would always read a Rotten Tomatoes score was to look at the critics and audience rating at the same time. Now, ever since I started doing YouTube, I found out so much more about the critic score and just how broken that whole system is. But then also I've seen in real time how Rotten Tomatoes has changed their entire system to protect movies, to protect these films and these studios and to really go after fans to go after the audience so the none of the scores to me are really all that trustworthy anymore though there are still i think some that are able to bleed through right where the audience score is much more i think realistic of what the actual sentiment is but there are clearly a lot of people though that still rely upon that score so um yeah i, I think it's disgusting though uh the amount of uh, of shilling that happens for these movies 
Matthew 1-7 says, Lee and Kirby's Thor not only had an alter ego, but he also fought aliens, commies, and Loki. They was uh, There was also a strong character conflict with him being faithful to his father and loving a mortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's one thing I do have a slight memory of because I remember doing some very basic research years ago um, about the alter ego being a part of, of the character. Cleefus McDonald says, I haven't watched any MCU films since Endgame. The sun still shines. The grass is still green. And Gravity is still a garbage movie. No, Cleefus. No. You were doing so well. You were doing so well. Why'd you have to, why'd you have to throw Gravity under the bus? I agree with every comment except for that last one. I actually liked Gravity. I liked it. <laughs> I enjoy that movie. It's a, it's a visually stunning film. I just I just appreciate it from that visual standpoint so much. You know, it's not groundbreaking story-wise, but man, watching that film in IMAX, the score especially when things are going down, I was just blown away. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this stuff is just ah." Anyway, um but yeah, a lot of people have checked out since Endgame. And, you know, it makes sense to me because one, Endgame is is basically the end of an era in a lot of ways. But also, too, Endgame was not very good. And I think a lot of people started to wake up to it. You know, when you look at Infinity War and then you compare it to Endgame, it's like, one is not like the other. Infinity War is still, in my opinion, a very sharply made movie, whereas Endgame is a giant mess, narratively. See, Hardwick says, Thor's screaming goats seem like a reference to those screaming goat viral videos from years ago. Feels like Watiti trying to meme and falling and failing. How do you do, fellow kids? Oh, yeah. Again, I definitely think that it's not going to be as strong as the other one, if if I had to guess. All right. Father comes in to say, I just couldn't must the energy to go see a three-hour Elvis movie. Yeah, that's the other thing I noticed about why I'm not really excited to see it is because of the fact that it's a long film, two hours and 40 minutes, and then that means two hours and 40 minutes of having to watch. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are very impressed by this performance by, what's his name, Austin Butler, who plays Elvis, but I don't want to have to watch Tom Hanks in a fat suit doing his creepy little accent. We are both like little children. Apparently he has a lot of other creepy lines in the movie. Uh, even John Flickinger says he thinks that Tom Hanks is probably going to get nominated for a Razzie for his performance. <laughs> I don't know if that means that I can do any, you know, I don't know if that means I want to see the film or not, but, uh, but anyway, sorry, I didn't finish that uh, comment there. Uh, he says, watch Dr. Strange this weekend. It was so glad I didn't waste three hours in the theater, but you still watched it father. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, David Slay says, can you do your best John Campy impression? Oh my goodness gracious. I never watched him enough to really be able to pick up his mannerisms at all, but uh, I'm trying to think. Well, you know, what I would have to say uh, is, again, I can't, that's the best I could do. <laughs> well, look at Tobey Maguire's, okay, F. <laughs> that's like the most that I've ever seen are the clips of him freaking out and the clip about him talking about Tobey Maguire's <laughs> junk. Uh, Matt317 says, personally, Jay, I love this movie. Mike from The Nerd Crew. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Is that the uh, Red Letter Media uh, stuff? Let's see. Anono Mas, uh, as a member, says he played in Justified. Great show. Yes, yes, yes. I've never seen Justified. I've always heard great things about it. Uh, Nearside Cyclops adds in. My wife's definitely never seen Justified. If I've never seen Justified, definitely she hasn't. 
Uh, Jenna Wingster says, Double Team sounds a little raunchy for Disney. It was Disney Channel. And get your head out of the gutter. Kirzilla, years back, I started noticing reviews giving rave reviews for horrible movies. It all stunk of Kevin Smith. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Name that movie. Ooh, that's an obscure one. Name that movie. Yep, 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 yep. And I'm not doing the voice that goes with it because I think that would give it away. Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now. Let's see. The R says, fast show this week. Yeah, it goes by when you're having fun talking about different topics, of course. Again, shout out to the Valks for taking care of that troll. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Father, don't tag them. Don't even give them the... uh... (laughs) Don't even give them the time of day. Super, who is now a member, says, uh, yes, G-Man, G-Man. You say everyone knows that, and yet uh, I see only a couple of people who actually had uh, mentioned it. So I think now they recognize it. But yeah, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite moments, Land Before Time. Absolutely. I see with the live chat. But yeah, it's that moment when Ducky finds out that Petrie, the little uh, pterodactyl, is alive. He's like, Petrie, you're alive. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm getting the feels now. Anyway, uh, Member Super says, uh, Black Phone looks so good. Can't wait to watch it. I'm a big baby, though, so I might have to wait until it's out of theaters. I hear it's less horror and more theological, uh, more psychological, more psychological thriller. Uh, Father, as in to say, there were a number uh, on, uh, there was a number of that on Comic Stream last night, and Dan the Space Brooks stream last night. Thankfully, it hasn't happened on mine. Yeah, again, that, it happens like once a stream now, it seems. Like there's a couple of times when I'm able to get through an entire stream without that nonsense. But yeah, anyway, Biffer the Hobbit, tag to say. Your thoughts on Gina Carano interview on Joe Rogan? Have not listened to it, but uh, am interested in it. Did not know. Again, I'll, I'll get to it when I possibly can. Uh, Mr. Peabody, have a good night. Good sir. Let's see, Dean Heiss, as in to say, I've seen those bots everywhere. Yeah, they've been around for a while now. No, no, Moss. This member says, oh, a short-term memory problem, but he won't worry. Uh, he won't know what I said. This is this is true. I don't appreciate you being mean like that. Uh, Green Lion. Oh, 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 okay. But I still don't remember what the context of that was. Who was I talking about? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Name that musical. I have so, so many strong reservations. Should I go and perform mutilations? All right. Soul Assassin. Uh, remember that leaked audio of the review reviewer who said they would give bad films a pass to get free screening and merch? I think the show is canceled now. Yeah, it was the sci-fi podcast. Sci-Fi Channel podcast. Gary is the one that covered it. I think someone else gave him the tip off about it, but he was the one that covered it. And, um, yeah. Uh, Harwick tagged to say, McRandom watched Love and Thunder Red Carpet event and noticed that they didn't mention diversity even once and said focus on hyping the movie as being fun. Yeah, sounds like they have a different (laughs) different standard. Uh, You like gravity as do I, but I haven't seen Moonfall yet. Is it worth it or run far away? I would say run a far away unless you want a really, a really stupid, a stupid movie 
that is kind of fun. If that makes any sense. It's not funny because it's bad. It's a movie where you're like, this is stupid, but I'll keep watching it. At least that, that's that's how I felt. Uh, Tina says, also, Butler is Denise choice for Fade. I think he's already been cast. Hey, Butler is a good actor. So I, you know, at least based on the trailer. I, so I, boom, I think that's sounds good to me. Um, Father Miller says, regarding Doctor Strange, three hours at least, I was at my computer getting a few things done as Doctor Strange played in the background. True. I guess I can do the same thing where it's like, you know, why are you watching all of these really terrible, awful shows uh, like Umbrella Academy? Well, I did make several rosaries while watching the show, so at least I could say I wasn't doing nothing. I was able to make some rosaries at least. All right, we are getting to the end of the show, everybody. So I'm going to wrap things up. Cleveland and McDonald, both Avatar Gravity were pitched to me with the visuals. I'm experienced, but he's paid for my ticket for both. I wanted a refund. Dang. Okay, I understand that for Avatar because Avatar is only visuals, and even the visuals aren't that impressive. The visuals for Gravity are still very, very impressive. Let's see, Hardwick. Uh, Sean Thor doing the splits seems like a reference to that Volvo commercial with Jean-Claude Van Damme doing the splits between the two trucks. Wouldn't surprise me. Wingster, who is a member, says, favorite Don Bluff movie. Um, I don't know Don Bluff. Is that a reference? I don't know. G-Man. Guessing Land Before Time uh, would have been harder if you hadn't done the voice spot on. Oh, okay. Yeah. If I had just said, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I could totally understand that. Father then says, if you're talking about Land Before Time, I would love to get your review of Titanic The Legend Goes On with a rapping dog. Yes, I know that it is true. I've seen a clip of it somewhere, and I just couldn't believe it. In fact, Tina, did you bring that up on, like, a chosen stream from maybe, like, years ago at this point? Because um, I feel like we, we've we gone through that before. Uh, Tina says, I said, Token Wotiti was a Richard. Ah, uh, everyone's telling you the name. You're like, yes, thank you. Yes, he is a Richard. Yes, Bruce, you got it. Little Shop of Horrors, Little Shop, Little Shop of Horror. Daniel Thorne says, did you check out Beavis and Butthead, Do the Universe? It was great. I have not. I was never really a big Beavis and Butthead fan, but I've heard good things. Curzilla, you have a good night as well. Um, Again, wrapping things up. Um, Daniel Thorne, thank you for the ice cream donation. And then Harvard Tide to say, what I heard Elvis sounds fairly accurate, but apparently too fast paced and flashy like a music video. Allegedly a better cut that's an hour longer. It's a two hour and 40 minute movie, Hardwick. I don't buy that for a second, dude. I'm sorry. Like if you, if you can't tell a good story in two hours and 40 minutes, or if it sounds, if it feels too fast and it's two hours and 40 minutes, that to me reminds me too much of Justice League. Oh, well, you got to see the four-hour cut. It's like if you, if you have to have four hours to tell an even halfway decent, not-so-decent story, you're not a good filmmaker. And it's not a good film. General uh, Wester says, Favorite Don Bluff movie was Land Before Time. I need that context. You know this. Sharp Tooth with Misunderstood. Yes, I remember when there was a Sharp Tooth in the second one. Uh, Tina then says, Yes, I brought up the rapping dog in Titanic cartoon. I think we watched a clip from it, too. Just remember, it'd be a great father. Then says, "You'll be a de- you'll be a dentist, son. Be a dentist. You have a talent for causing things pain." Okay, sun's getting really low. Big guy, green lion. 
I agree. Thank you for that. And with that all being said, I will now head out. Thank you all very much for being here this evening. Please make sure you smash the like button, laugh that fire button. Honestly, thank you all so very much. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I will be live tomorrow morning for the Good Morning Asgard podcast. We will then have our OMB report live on Thursday morning. I'll be on the Friday Night Tights show this week as well. Not going out of town. Also, Chosen of All Hollow Stream will be coming up either this weekend or next weekend. I still need to work things out with the Lady Freya, um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to plan it to be two consecutive Saturdays in a row, as I do need to make up for the June stream that never happened. So we'll have two July streams, and I'm gonna try and get them in in uh, connection with one another. Anyway. Thank you all so very much for being here. Again, much love to every person in the chat. Much love, of course, to the mods, Tina and Steph, for always being so phenomenal, so amazing. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Anyway, have a wonderful rest of your evening, everybody. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to my June Keeper of the Bifrost and Chosen of Valhalla level members, Brandon, let's go Brandon, Christopher Bowman, Garrett Searles, Hymir Irie Hymason, Jeff Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Father Luca, Mike Jackson, for the win, Mad Mitch Dunaway, or in chat reviews, make sure to check out his YouTube channel. He just hit 1,000 subscribers. Rosetta Allen, check out her YouTube channel as well. Stan Andrian, Miss Martin Muses, check out her YouTube channel. And also, of course, the amazing Tina B, Empress of the Universe. Check out her YouTube channel, especially her show, Soup to Nuts, that she does with the amazing Stephanie B. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on Patreon. And a huge shout out to all of my subscribers as well over on Subscribe star at these levels. Matt317, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, and also, of course, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and ZK-Man. You guys are amazing. And a last shout-out to my Locals members. We have Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan. How about a hockey player? We have Mike Jackson for the win once again, Robert Barnes, and Brett D. 90. So I want to say thank you again for being my members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and the Chosen of All Hollow levels. If you want your name specially shouted out at the end of every single video and live stream, please check out my links at the Patreon and Subscribe Star. Uh, you can find those in the top link in the video description, the Willow link, as I like to call it. We can also get access to things like giveaways, things like the podcast I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger, and other cool stuff like that. Anyway, thank you all very much for supporting me for the month of June. You're all amazing and beautiful people hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day and as always god bless